Are we recording? Oh yeah! It's like <laughs> a year from now. Macho. Oh man, that's Vincy. I like that my kids know that I'm healthy and strong and fit, and that their mom is healthy and strong and fit. Going, okay, I can still get better without having to do a max effort every single day. Smashing yourself on the roller for uh, an hour, right? you're good by the next day as long as you had a sandwich and a net. All right, so today is going to be a story time with Jay now. Um, we're going to actually, I was hoping to dig into some of your military background, actually, yeah. and ask you some questions about training and stuff like that. But first, we'll just start with uh, what branch did you serve in and when did you serve? I was in the infantry from 2002 until 2009, so seven years. Okay. What made you go in? Man. That, those are some crazy times. Um, I don't know if you remember this, there, young guy. The uh, beginning of the uh, 21st century. The, uh, the the whole world was changing at a dramatic pace, and I was getting to that point in my life where I could take part of it. And I think it was it's a universal story um, of young guys coming to age in a crazy world. You go look for adventure. And um, I'm from a small town in northern BC and in British Columbia for our for American American listeners, listeners um, which is the far far left side of the continent. And it was one of those things that I knew that if I did it, then my life would be on a very different trajectory than if I did something that was more common if that makes sense something that was uh, essentially expected of me or something that other people from where I grew up would do okay and uh, why wouldn't you do that the consequences at the time were not not even part of the equation I thought just thought it'd be cool man okay uh, do you have a family that served as well? Um, actually, yes. The uh, uh, Basically, every male in my family uh, lineage has, um, but we didn't talk about it. Okay. It was one of those things that it wasn't kind of part of the, the family culture. Um, but growing up, like you hear things here and there. But, I mean, I think about it if I'm like, talking to my kids i'm not going to tell them go do this because i did it it's more like yeah i did but you should probably do something else (laughs) (laughs) be be smarter than me and that was that was kind of the uh the impression that i got from from my dad and and my grandpa was kind of the same thing or um but he was during a time when there wasn't much of a choice there's like the second world war my grandpa was um involved in that and uh there was no there was no one that wasn't essentially so okay. was there any pushback from your family when you decided oh yeah of course uh, because it was right when um everything was going down after september 11th there was mm. there was the impression that the military was a good career as long as you're not at war obviously um but why would like that's the whole point of having a military is if something bad happens, you have the ability to um, respond to it and something bad happened. So, yeah, my mom was not happy. <laughs> my, my dad was um, 
he was he was supportive in a way but also he was he's the one that knew the the reality of the situation because he was also in the army when he was young so yeah there was some pushback uh what did your grandpa and your dad serve in um my my grandfather was in the merchant marines he was dutch um he got torpedoed twice Jeez. and uh the second time his his ship was sunk and he spent two weeks in a um a life raft in the north atlantic it's a pretty cool story uh, and then he got picked up and got transferred to the uh, U.S. Navy, and he was in the um, South Pacific during the rest of the war. So that was some cool stories from him. Um, How often does that happen, like the crossover from... Not often. He was yeah. actually, I believe he was charged with desertion for at some point, um, but... For he was changing to US? yeah but the thing was he was like nobody picked me up it was an american passenger ship that came by <laughs> like, right you guys left me alone <laughs> so, i mean like yeah i'm gonna go with and these then guys they were just like here yeah. go but, to work but, yeah, i mean at that time yeah he was like uh, i'm still part of this okay i'm still gonna i mean and uh yeah it was it was pretty cool um my dad was in the uh canadian infantry as well during the uh the cold war and he was stationed in germany Lots of cool stories uh, from that period in time as well. But his his um, his service was just a single engagement, like so three years, in and out, and then he was like, "That's not for me." So. Okay. Um, so you joined shortly after nine eleven. Yeah, I initially tried to join like pretty much within a month, but being from um, northern BC, there's a there was a uh, there was no recruitment center in the area, so everything had to be funneled down into the, the central area of Vancouver. Um, so there was a lot of miscommunication, and uh, I, I moved to Edmonton within, a, within that period of time, um, about a year. And it was basically, I, I showed up, and they're like, yeah, we need you. So it's like, okay, cool, I'll do it. So from the U.S. perspective, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, we probably wouldn't think of Canada as having like much of a military. Obviously, you guys are a much smaller country. Yeah. Um, did you have to go overseas at all? Oh yeah, and yeah. I went about? over twice. To Afghanistan. Okay. Yeah. And how long were your terms? Uh, the first one was six months, and the second one was eight months. Okay. And are you there on your own business, or was it like for USAID and stuff like that? No, it was. Um, so NATO was running the uh, uh, the show. Um, at that on on both so the first first area was in 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 and around Kabul which is the capital of Afghanistan Uh, and then the second one was in Kandahar province which was the uh, the wild west Um, and it was it was a very two very different types of of operations in in those areas so but it was run by NATO and we had our area of responsibility and Mm. it was it's a unique um, unique environment to operate in and the mission at the time was I don't I don't know of any I mean it is a counterinsurgency operation which is um, if you're a military nerd you know that that's not uh, <laughs> that's not how conventional forces are best um, best structured to operate in in that type of uh, operation so 
we just had to be very flexible and do almost anything at any time mm. if, as needed. So, yeah, I find this stuff very interesting because in the U.S., the military is something that everybody almost talks about and it's almost thought of as being a very prideful thing yep. to do and it tends to run in families and it's actually similar here in some circumstances mm-hmm. but you definitely don't hear as much about the canadian military as you do in the u.s because in the u.s you have like recruiters that come yeah. to high schools does that happen here um i don't know what the recruitment process is like nowadays okay. uh i don't it's no (laughs) in in a nutshell no it's not something that's i mean you'll see you'll see ads in front of movies um you'll see every once in a while little things to remind people that you know we are recruiting we have this we have that we have a strong a very strong military tradition within canada but it's one of those kind of like humble things of this is something that this is my opinion it's like something that we do when needed um, and that's it. Yeah, that's but how it a, seems. A very different part of the culture. Now, I mean, I have an absolute mad respect for every every person that has served in the United States military because, I mean, you can definitely um, hang a lot of the safety and security that we have on that on that pillar of uh, service that the United States military has hmm. and that culture of this is something that we're proud of and it's like well yeah thank you <laughs> right like yeah. cause a lot of a lot of places in the world um, definitely get to be uh, a little bit more stable because of it so okay uh, so just now I mean this is a training podcast yeah so hey yeah let's talk about squatting let's talk about that so uh, on a previous episode you had said how your first introduction to uh, CrossFit was in the military. Yeah. And how did that come about? Oh, um, so there was, there's some exposure to the f- functional training uh, at a, a higher, well, let's see here. How do I explain this? Um, let's say there's, there's different, we'll call them a, a tier one unit, like you would call a, uh, like a a special forces unit in the United States. Um, We had people come back from their deployments um, working with them or people coming from that unit into our unit uh, so they can do some some work so they can get promoted, et cetera. Um, But they would come back with this this exposure to the value of functional training as opposed to the traditional um, running and strength training and ruck marching that the, that our units were very familiar with. Okay. Um, so they would come back and be like, "Wait, this is what we're going to try. We're going to do some of this. We're going to do some of that." Um, and through that, it was kind of like a trickle down where some people would start doing it, and it was it was something unique and new and fun. Uh, CrossFit came on the scene on the internet roughly around the time when I started my military career, and it it just kind of coincided with with the fact that some people were coming back from because Afghanistan was the first major combat deployment um, for Canadian troops since the Korean War. Um, There's stuff in the 90s which is not classed as, as combat but there's still plenty of stuff going on. Um, they came back and they were saying like you have to be physically prepared to do this 
and they had this experience of training in a functional fashion and then they found CrossFit and it kind of all just kind of flowed together is like now this is how we're going to get you guys to train. Okay. Uh, how often did you train? Every, so, every day. Every day? Yeah, and it was um, It was part of the, in Garrison, it's part of the routine. Garrison routine is you have physical training every Monday to Friday, every morning. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and that was CrossFit essential workouts. Um, like the, who's writing it? Who's, <laughs> you guys getting this from so the, the tradi- journal? The traditional, oh man, the CrossFit <laughs> journal. I, I had that as... Uh, as like my homepage at work for a while. That's good. <laughs> CrossFit Journal. Um, CrossFit.com. No, the, the, the units would generally do training on their own. And that, that a unit means um, essentially all the way from a brigade style unit all the way down to the platoon or section, which is 10 dudes. Um, and we would depending on the size of the unit that was training that day, the commanding officer or the second in command would come up with the training plan for that day. Okay. And it was, it's very hard to make a training plan for 10 people, let alone for hundreds of people. So often it would be just running and it's a very important skill in, um, in the infantry. So you have to be more aerobically fit than, anything else because you're just asked to go for significant periods of time without rest so okay um did you personally do any like strength training on your own oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i grew again i grew up in northern bc and out in the middle of the country there was i the the reason i feel that i'm relatively strong for a crossfit athlete is because i started at a young age hauling bales of hay and wood and and shoveling snow for hours on end because that's all that snowed a lot up there at the time there's just you just physically active lifting heavy things when when you're young at at that time and then it kind of carried over because you do what you you like doing what you're good at right so i felt that i was kind of strong and i liked doing it so i kept lifting and doing things i was not very good at it yeah but it was heavy <laughs> <laughs> when you say lifting like olympic lifting no no the olympic lifting um that came later on that came a little later on and once crossfit was kind of a lot more um developed within the, our unit and there was more resources online because that's that's how i taught myself how to weightlift. it was watching videos on crossfit.com the bergener stuff okay and playing around with that and being very bad at it for a very long time um so every day seven days a week you yeah, guys well had, you i mean had to we, train we were uh, it, the the weekends were ours um generally that was when most of us would start with some a little bit of strength training uh go to the gym do some buys and tries oh, sorry biceps and back okay triceps and chest yeah gotta get the splits right yeah you gotta get the splits right um but, and also, but again, that court, that lifestyle, um, and the culture of being a young dude in the infantry, uh, was, it was mostly party time on the weekend too. <laughs> there's no way of avoiding it. Hungover runs. A lot of those, a lot, of, sometimes in the middle of the week too. Was, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
how about when you came overseas? Did you train at all? Yes. Um, in garrison. So sorry, not in garrison. Um, on base, uh, there was most of the time very good facilities because the base would house uh, the, the um, supporting trades the entire time they were there. So if there were like the the classical example would be cooks and um, communications experts and this and that they would be on the base the entire deployment except like minus a few uh, patrols here and there but they would be that's where they would live so their facilities on the base were very good um, while we were in the base it would be a depending on what the routine was we would have an opportunity to to train um, with those facilities it was pretty pretty nice okay and then but you'd spend extended sorry you would spend extended periods of time outside of the gate and you don't have the energy or the calories even necessarily to yeah, train yeah because you're you're tr- you're you lose a lot of weight overseas mm. if you're out and about because um you just you're you're always carrying a hundred pounds plus of gear um you're walking for hours on end you're doing service i mean you're just the most you're the most active you've ever been and it's not training it's yeah it's the job and that's why being prepared for that job before you go over is so important What's eating like overseas? Like, uh, how do you get that in? Because, like you just said, you lose weight. De- I can't imagine you're like, oh, plenty of calories to catch up on. It depends on the situation and the supply, like the where you are at at any given time. Okay. Um, you could be eating meals. They're called uh, well, I guess the Americans like MREs. would call them MREs. Yeah. Um, and they're ba- and they're. They're can like what you would find in a can, but in a bag, so that you're pouch, not carrying yeah. around. Yeah, um, the MREs are amazing. Um, but is that would, sarcasm? No, no. <laughs> this is the thing, though. Is like the Americans would come and talk to us and and um, trade. Uh, ours were called IMPs, um, and we would trade back and forth because we loved their stuff and they loved our stuff. Really, it was just because we were constantly eating the same things. Yeah, and you're like, I don't want to. So eat. to change it up. Yeah, I don't want to eat a Newfie steak again. It's basically bologna, piece of <laughs> <laughs> piece of bologna with some mustard on it. And they're like, Oh my god, I would love some bologna. They're like, No, man, you can have it. <laughs> you can have it. Um, what else? like the the nutrition was? You're just trying to get as much calories in as possible, no yeah. matter what. Where that comes from, it doesn't matter. Yeah, because again, it, I just also can't imagine that there's just some abundance of food. There, there is in some ways. Like, but the thing is, it depends on again where you are. Yeah, uh, if you're on the on the base, there's so much food. You, there's no possible way. If you are at the beginning of a um, of a patrol, let's say if you're going out for a, a, a week or you're going to a, a forward operating base for a week or two. When you go out there and you take all the food that you can with you, there's a lot. Yeah, okay. But it is generally rationed because you are not really going to be resupplied for food very often. Like okay. fuel and ammunition and water come first. Um, and if you have like if you have the opportunity, you're going to have extra food brought out. But it's 
um, it's not fresh food. That's when you go back to the, the packaged stuff and it doesn't yeah. matter. You just eat it because you're starving. Yeah. I remember I ate a chicken fajita one. one oh, time. yeah. It wasn't that oh, bad. Man. No, it's that's what I mean. But the only thing is that you're eating the same things over all and over and over and over. And then all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man, I can't I can't even look at it. Uh, um, so, well, fast forward now. What when did you get out of the military? Uh, 2009, basically seven years, almost to the day that I started. And then uh, what? How? Did you get into CrossFit? Um, so did you ha- kind of have this idea towards the end? Yeah. That you were like, I'm going to get into fitness. I didn't have any idea capacity. when I left the, yeah, yeah. I left, I left the military and I was like, I, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I have to do something slightly different than what I'm doing now. Um, when I left, I was very into CrossFit style training and doing CrossFit and I drank the Kool-Aid hard because we had a... Uh, a, a, essentially a level one that that was given to us for free but okay. but that was years before and that was like I'm never doing CrossFit again this is the stupidest thing ever um, <laughs> but b- then you find the value in it and then all of a sudden you're like man I wish I paid more attention to what they were saying yeah. instead of just going like well let's just do this workout and carry on um, but while I was deployed on my second tour I invested a lot more time into CrossFit and CrossFit style training. Um, partially was, it was, it was to help with just the, uh, the mental stress of, of being in that deployment when you have the opportunity to blow off steam in a, in a um, productive fashion. It, it makes things much, much more, what's uh, the word I'm looking for? Bearable. <laughs> that's a yeah. good one. Um, but then when I, I left, I was, I was, uh, it was just one of those things that it was a good habit to maintain. Um, I enjoyed training. I enjoyed doing, getting better at training. So I got my, my, my level one and then I wanted to find a way that I could apply it, but it was a much rougher transition from military life to civilian life than I had thought. So at the time it was, it was one of those things where I, I just needed to get a job doing something that would keep me busy and then from there once I got stable I was like okay now I'm gonna pursue this because I actually think I can do really well at it um, or I feel like I understand the movements the sport well enough to be able to teach it as well okay yeah the original level one they made you take you, you they made you take that or no no it was it was it was, like it was offered, offered. And, okay. and it was one of those things where it's just like it was taught by CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. It's like, who wants to go do this? I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. And Again, for most was, people, I don't think they know this, but how far did you go with your levels for CrossFit? Um, I finished the the, the level three um, CrossFit certified trainer thing, and then did you coach some level ones or like no, run some level no, no. ones? Um, I did the mentorship program. Um, not the mentorship program. Is that what it's called? Internship. Uh, sorry, the internship program um, for a couple couple level ones and and I, I wasn't ready at the time to do it and then when it was I was like okay I'm pretty confident I could go back into it uh the Kool-Aid had kind of worn off okay just a little bit and what I was, changed um I think it was just because I, I was coaching CrossFit classes a lot that's uh, like a 
a lot of hours in front of a class seeing programming and seeing people try to do that programming and I had this conversation with um, Mike and Scott I think it was yesterday or Monday sorry uh, that's that's the evolution of going from if you are making things individual for all of the people in the classes because you know who they are and you see them all the time it's a natural work. evolution to just be like well this person shouldn't be doing this program today mm-hmm. right and this person should be doing something slightly different based on their goals mm-hmm. and you start seeing this with hundreds of hours of working with these people and you're like this what's written on the whiteboard has nothing to do with what they're going to do today yeah it shouldn't i mean everyone's doing kind of the same thing but everyone's doing something very different based on on who they are once you learn the person's needs and how they react to certain things and where they should put more focus that's the natural evolution as far as i'm concerned how long did you coach crossfit before you had this realization um well, I was given the opportunity to do individual programming for for competitive individuals, athletes in in CrossFit Calgary fairly soon after I was um, a full-time coach there. So probably within two, two, to th- two years of coaching full-time, I was like, okay, I spend a majority of my time how do I say it? scaling for certain people mm-hmm. and programming slightly different things that are on the board for people and the next thing you know it's it's like okay I don't I don't know why this is on the board yeah and the, uh, it's a disconnect and you just one day you're just looking at it, you're like I don't agree with what's written here um not that it's not a, not that it's a bad workout but it's like just didn't it, match the it, people it didn't match the population at times mm-hmm. and it was written at the 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 theory behind it is you write for the top athletes in the gym and you scale for everyone else and it's like okay that doesn't doesn't work really well no. you should write for the person that you're yeah i'm kind of tainted because uh working with mike i had only done crossfit a year before i started with him yeah and then i started coaching after i was working with him so i coached only part-time for probably two years crossfit classes mm-hmm. and I felt the same exact way. I would always find myself changing things yeah. in yeah. the workout of the day or whatever it was. Yeah, and it, it's it's normal because you have members that come in and they have injuries or tweaks and you're like, well, it, that's how it starts. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, what's my substitute for today? It's like, well, okay, let's, you're gonna do this instead of this. And then you're like, okay, you follow that person because they come in four to five times a week and you're like, hey, how's your, your progress going? And then, okay, so now you've progressed past this, you're going to do this instead of, you're not quite back to doing bar muscle-ups yet because your shoulder's not ready for it, but you spent a week doing pull like dumbbell pulls, pulling, and now you're going to do some hangs and swings, and then you're going to do pull-ups, and then I was like, that's just what we do now. Yeah. Like, like here, that's like, this is a progression. Everything's progressive, so that's why it's... That's why. That's why looking back, I'm thinking, yeah, this is inevitable that you end up here in this style if you do it long enough. And then, how long you've been with OPT now? Um, almost three years. And that was when you officially stopped doing CrossFit classes. Right? Uh, yes. Yeah, I haven't coached a uh, a CrossFit class since. Um, what year was that? 
so it's almost three years so it's like february of 2017 mm. yeah the what was the number one way that you felt like the military affected your life so you know what kind of person were you before versus after i was 19 before and i was 26 when i left no um that's a very formative period of years for a lot of people yeah they say uh, you make the most change in your life from your early 20s to late 20s yeah uh you know jocko yeah i do yeah everyone loves jocko um don't listen to him man uh, one of those things that's the most impactful and uh, is just the discipline um learning to work hard learning to work with others and communicate well having a structure and a plan and being able to adapt the plan at any time to something that's changing i don't know how else to explain it yeah it's more or less just how you look at the world after an, an extended period of time in that environment in that culture then it changes everything about how you view everything and it also adds a significant amount of gratitude to everyday life it's it's difficult to really express how much you can appreciate when you've seen um, the other side of the planet and places that do not have what we have people that do not get the opportunities that we get and it's easy to take it for granted but then you every once in a while you have a little bit of a um, recollection of of some um, some event or some series of events or some experience and you go oh yeah yeah i don't have to worry about that thank god um so gratitude and and structure let's that's as simple as i can say and the last question uh with that being said would you do it again it's funny because i look back and i think it's a completely different life it's a completely different Reality is not. I don't even think of myself as the same person, because um, like I said, the transition from the military to civilian life was a lot more challenging than I thought it was. At the time, I thought it was easy. I can look back now and say that it was not, and I could say even that there's still a part of my um, my persona that hasn't completely left that behind. So uh, have I really transitioned back into a completely civilian life? I don't think so. And I don't think guys that have spent significant amount of times, so, sorry, significant amount of time deployed ha are, are ever the same. Um, not that it's negative, but it's definitely different. It, of course, I would, I think I would do it again in an instant. And there are times when I still think of that as who I am, where I could throw on the gear, um, grab a weapon and basically pick up exactly where I left off because it was during that formative part of my life where it's like I could just, it's like a comfy pair of boots just those the boots aren't very comfy but analogy wise I could go back into it instantly so yes I would do it again could I have done something different you're always questioning that yeah I could have done I could have done anything different at the time um, gone down a different route, but the one that I 
took man i hopefully i get the opportunity to tell my grandparents our grandkids the same kind of stories that my grandpa told me and I'm like holy shit <laughs> that's a crazy story i'm like i got some of those too like yeah. now i have some of those that i can pass on so yeah i'll do it again in an instant all right maybe we'll share some of those next time yeah man anytime bring some gin <laughs> <laughs> the drunk drunk podcast with Tom and jay yeah there we go all right thank you for sharing all right man Thanks. all right thank you guys for tuning in if you like us don't forget to leave us a review wherever you listen and tell some friends this is how new people can find out about us make sure you follow the instagram for updates on upcoming episodes at spiral out podcast we don't have any formal plans for topics that we're going to cover on this show, but if there's any topics that you guys want to hear more about or something that we haven't covered yet, make sure you send those questions to spiraloutpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a message on Instagram. I can't promise that we will cover every topic, but we will definitely read all of the messages. And last but not least, for anyone looking for coaching, make sure you head over to optimumperformancecalgary.com. I will include that link in the show notes. If you live here in Calgary, we offer personal training as well as individual design. For those that live far, we also have remote coaching available. If you're interested in attending a fitness camp or possibly hosting one at your facility, you can also find information about those there. We do not plan to cover any of the topics that are covered in the fitness camp to make sure that those stay unique. Thank you for listening. Until next time.